0: Welcome to Skylights, the podcast of Open Sky Wilderness Therapy. Nestled in the mountains of Southwest Colorado and the Canyonlands of Southeast Utah, Open Sky transcends traditional wilderness therapy by emphasizing treatment for the whole family. Our clinical approach integrates the latest in evidence-based treatments with innovative and research-driven holistic healing practices. On each episode of the Skylights podcast, we speak with experts in the field of wilderness therapy and explore the unique value the outdoors provides on the journey towards wellness, self-discovery, and growth for adolescents, young adults, and their families. To learn more about Open Sky, visit us at openskywilderness.com. Welcome to the podcast. We're glad you're here. It's encouraging to see how lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender and questioning, or LGBTQ, issues have come to the forefront over the past few years, with an increased focus on awareness, rights, and the use of gender-inclusive language. At the same time, many young people in the LGBTQ community are still struggling with mental health issues, higher rates of suicide, and the lack of acceptance among family, friends, and society. In this episode of the Skylights podcast, we will discuss why this issue is at the forefront of our minds, some sobering statistics that highlight the importance of providing support for LGBTQ individuals, challenges for family and friends, and as well, how and why we create safe spaces for LGBTQ individuals. Joining us today on the podcast is Mariah Lofton, Sky's clinical director and therapist for young adults. Mariah skillfully blends her background as a psychotherapist, behavior analyst, and art therapist to build deep and positive connections with students and parents while supporting the family system through change. She has sat on panels with educators and presented at numerous conferences on LGBTQ issues. Mariah also provides leadership and support to Open Sky's clinical team. Mariah, welcome to the podcast. Uh, It's great to be here. Let's just dive right in. Awareness around gender and sexuality really emerged as a front and center topic in recent years. Why do you think this is and why does it matter?
1: I think right now people are getting braver at expressing and exploring who they are. So I want to use the analogy of like thinking about tattoos. 20, 30 years ago... Tattoos were associated with hell's angels, bikers, prison, and were not socially acceptable. And so now we look around, there are so many tattoos out there. And people are getting comfortable showing that part of themselves. We see it in TVs, movies, magazines, communities. We look around. And I think as people show who they are, it gives other people permission to do that as well. Now, when we look at gender and sexuality, the stakes are higher, right? They're higher than tattoos, but it has a similar flavor where people have been living their lives hiding who they are because it's just not, it's not a choice. So part of what they're doing is as we have more exposure, as more people are stepping up and sharing who they are, people are stopping that process of hiding, and so I think what's really important is when people live in hiding, there's this tremendous amount of fear and shame and grief and so many different emotions that come out in detrimental ways. And so that's why we're seeing this depression, anxiety, suicide, and addiction related to the LGBTQ community. When people start to live in this brave, open, sharing way, particularly about their gender and sexuality, I think this more visible way of being in the world it gives people examples of how they can actually belong how they can be themselves and so of course just like tattoos we see it with tvs movies magazines and our communities we look around and we see diverse ways that people are showing up people are expressing themselves and i think we're seeing more examples so that's notable how we see evidence of it out in our communities I think there is a very real part of it being backed up by protective policies and laws against discrimination, whether it's on school campuses, workplaces, anti-discrimination policies, and equal rights. So I think another layer here is that our youth are leading the way. like They're speaking up. They're speaking out. They won't tolerate discrimination. They won't tolerate like these antiquated policies and these social pressures. And so in that, it's really exciting time because our youth are being brave by sharing ways that they don't fit into the pressures of what has historically been deemed normal, mm-hmm. which is a really exciting thing.
0: Yes. Yes. While it's true that there's this awareness and so much to celebrate there, at the same time... It's really striking how many LGBTQ youth and young adults and adults are still struggling with mental health issues and higher rates of suicide. So, Mariah, as a clinician working with young people for going on two decades now, what stands out for you in terms of statistics and data on these topics? It's pretty intense.
1: And, you know, when we're looking at the raw data, there's an organization that is the world's largest suicide prevention and mental health organization for the LGBTQ community. And the Trevor Project did a national survey on LGBTQ youth mental health in 2022. And what's very sobering is that 73% of LGBTQ youth reported experiencing symptoms of anxiety. 58% reported depression the rates of suicidal thoughts have trended upwards over the last three years. And this to me is a really intense statistic, which is that 42% of LGBTQ plus youth and 52% of trans youth said that they seriously considered suicide in 2021.
0: So actually the year 2021. The year 2021. Wow. Well, and I mean, that is on you know parallel to just suicide ideation and attempts increasing across the board. So it makes sense that would also spike perhaps even more in that population. Exactly.
1: You know, and I think that there's a, a part that plays where there's a lack of support for the LGBTQ youth. So there are 60% within this Trevor Project, 60% who wanted mental health care in the last year weren't able to get it. Less than one in three transgender non-binary youth found their home to be gender affirming. So you can imagine the impact that that would have on those individuals that are in those homes that don't feel comfortable in themselves. And then the last thing is that 36% reported that they have been physically threatened or harmed due to their sexual
0: orientation or gender identity. That's a pretty high statistic. Those are some sobering statistics. Let's talk more about the role parents play in supporting their LGBTQ children. Mariah, what are some of the challenges that you see come up as parents and families work towards greater acceptance and support? And also, how can parents overcome these challenges? Yeah, I think
1: about what comes up for parents in the first place. Parents can really struggle with different feelings. Like it might be hard to let go of particular expectations that they had of who their child was going to be, you know, how their child was going to grow up and live out their life. And in that, parents need a lot of support in order to go through their own process. And I think it's relevant that parents have room to feel their own emotions too. And we're not just telling parents, well, get over it and be supportive. It's how do you tend to yourself? How do you get the support that you need? How do you educate yourself? And how do you simultaneously connect with your child?
0: Right, right. Because... It's normal to go through a grief process, and that's not a terrible thing in the sense that that grief can come from worrying about your child. I mean, you exactly. hear these statistics, and you're worried that's going to mean that life is harder for your child. That mm-hmm. They're going to be more exposed to violence, that they're going to be more exposed to people not accepting them. So the grief can come from that. Mm-hmm. As you said, it just is striking to me how normal it is for parents to need to go through that grief process to get to this, the stage of acceptance. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. And
1: that part of how we need to maybe protect our children or our worry about their safety Mm -hmm. or that this will make their lives harder, there's a reality to that. We just heard those statistics. So the whole point of parents doing their own work, it actually enables children to feel and youth to feel more support. And so then that, of course, will affect those statistics.
0: Right. So it sounds like parents really finding places where they can be supported to do that work, Mm -hmm. you know, separate from their child too, like Mm -hmm. processing these issues. Their child's processing their own issues related to these topics. Exactly. There's an
1: organization called PFLAG, which is a support network for parents and families of LGBTQ youth, and I would say beyond youth. And and so that is a good starting place. And I think there are communities of people that can support you in person. I think there are also other families that are going through this as well. And so just reaching out, Mm -hmm. accessing the
0: community that is right around you and beyond. Right. Which, you know, has the benefit too of just normalizing what are some of the fears? What are some of the challenges? Maybe speak to some of the other fears that parents may face going through this process. One, how do we
1: even talk about what a, your child is going through? So am I using the right pronouns? You know, maybe it's less of the emotions related to this is difficult. It could also just be, oh my gosh, am I going to get it right? You know, and then you combine those two together. That it's hard to be in in this place in your life because you're learning about new things yourself. Uh, because it's maybe not as familiar for you. And so am I going to make a mistake in using pronouns or gender-inclusive language. Sometimes it is very real that kids can get pretty hard on their parents, too, because, like you said, they're going through their own things. And so there can be, you didn't do it right. And that's normal across the board. It's probably important to remember. Yeah, so I do see younger people expecting their parents to be perfect and kind of being hard on parents. And the whole goal is keep talking, keep being connected keep practicing and letting your friends, kids, relatives, et cetera, let them know, hey, I'm working too. Mm. And my intent is to do the best that I can do. And I'm learning and I need some support in that learning process. That process of just seeking to understand Mm -hmm. being on the path. Exactly. To me, the most important thing is effort. How are we putting in effort to support each other? How do we Ultimately, highest level, how are we actually modeling respect, commitment, love? Because that's what will help us as a whole community to heal, to grow.
0: Yes. I mean, on these topics and all topics. Mm -hmm. So, as you reflect on how we create safe spaces and demonstrate support and inclusivity and acceptance, share more about that. I think we need
1: to do everything we can. To create affirming homes, schools, workplaces, public places, private places, and looking at ways we can make that happen, how can we actually research what is working and what's not? So I think about a work environment. If we're asking people for feedback, where do we have people feeling comfortable? Where do we have people that are stepping into this in, this workplace and feeling like, yeah, I do notice the positives that are happening? Same thing in your family. In some ways, it's a little easier to kind of do an assessment of your workplace, but we can do the same thing in our families. Like, wait a minute, where do we feel support and that inclusivity? How are we using language? How are we creating opportunities for people to share? So I think about the conversations that need to be had. So that to me is where we start. Talk about it. Identify where do we feel safe and where do we not. That curiosity. Yeah, exactly, Mm -hmm. the curiosity. And then from there, you can make a plan of, okay, so if you don't feel safe in these ways, how do we address it? How can we actually problem solve together and know that I'm going to make mistakes and I'm trying? That to me is the strategy. Like, let's have a conversation about it.
0: So a big topic is around language and how we talk about these topics. Share some reflections on that in terms of guidance, ideas, support. One of the first things that I hear parents talk about is pronouns.
1: Ugh, it's so hard, it doesn't make sense, or my brain just has a hard time wrapping around using they, them pronouns. And what I can tell you is that it's important to just start trying. And you're going to make mistakes and you can acknowledge them. You can apologize and then move forward. And so I think the first part is educate yourself on what are individuals identifying? How do they actually identify for themselves? How do they feel comfortable in themselves? What is the best expression for themselves? So is that just asking? Yes, that to me is an important part of like establishing connection and communication and also establishing, hey, I care, I'm paying attention. And so you can ask and say, what are the pronouns you use? I think we all need to become more comfortable just asking what people's pronouns are and what inclusive language feels like. And it's okay for us to kind of stumble around in it. But if we keep asking, that's the best direction we can possibly head. Then I also think about gender-specific versus gender-neutral language. Frequently we'll say, hey, do you have a girlfriend? Do you have a boyfriend? That would be gender-specific language. So a better way, a gender-neutral way to ask that question is, are you dating anyone?
0: Do you have a partner? So, yeah, and that can take mindfulness and, like you said, stumbles and reprogramming, Mm -hmm. you know, just the way that we speak and talk and ask questions. Exactly.
1: I think the important part of this is that we're encouraging ourselves and the people that we're in relationship to be in connection and to stretch, you know. And I think when we're talking about parents' relationship with their kids, how can we encourage that curiosity you were talking about? And for us, asking those questions or encouraging our young people to ask their own questions of how are they expressing themselves. What are they aware of that they like or are drawn to? Whether that's clothing, hairstyle, jewelry, friends, where do they feel safe? Where do they feel connected? If they are like, feeling more connected to themselves, then they're likely to feel more connected and comfortable out in the world. That's where we have to start. I think there's also this piece of helping our young people to be connected to their communities. And so what are their interests? What are the activities that they want to be part of? And sometimes we can trap people into like kind of stereotypical things. And so can we also think more broadly? Is this a activity that typically a cisgender male would participate in? And can we just open that up to everyone so that we don't kind of trap people into just participating in one activity because of this perceived notion of gender. You know, I think another piece that might seem obvious is watch our language in our family. Like, what do we joke about? Are there racial slurs that we use? Are there kind of, quote-unquote, off-color jokes that we make? Being able to, as we're in family functions, as we're in our more tight-knit community, how do we actually convey, hey that doesn't make me feel good or that doesn't work for me or that doesn't feel like supportive for our everyone in our family? What are the ways that you can actually encourage
0: progress in our larger communities, in our families? So you're saying it can be powerful for the young people to see their parents or other family members or friends kind of taking a stand against You know, language that isn't comfortable, that isn't inclusive,
1: that isn't supportive. It's an amazing way that we can support each other and support our
0: youth. So as families and others, friends, parents begin to incorporate some of these steps that you're speaking to into their lives, what might this feel like for an LGBTQ young person? How do you see that like landing and affecting them? Yeah,
1: I think first and foremost on safety. So that they'll feel safe in themselves to express who they are. That they'll be able to feel supported, accepted. And in that, they can then head forward in their lives in an authentic, healthy way. Their anxiety might go down and they might have a greater sense of who are they rather than how do I fit. That to me actually can save lives. It can support people having healthy ways of being in the world rather than getting stuck in that deleterious process of a negative spiral. You know, I think if a child sees their parents and family members as people who are accepting and supportive, that it allows them to really step into their whole selves because they know they have their family behind them. And I think that allows them to authentically express who they are.
0: And just show up in relationship, which is something that everybody wants is to be in better relationship with their loved ones. Is there research that speaks to like when families, societies are implementing these practices and these ways of being that you're speaking to? How does that land on a larger, or more statistical level? One of the things, this is again from the Trevor Project,
1: the LGBTQ youth who felt the support of their families they report attempting suicide at less than half the rate of those who felt low or moderate support. That's profound. 50% mm-hmm. reduction. So yes, very profound. I think the LBGTQ youth who live in a community that's accepting of people, that they also report a lower rate of attempting suicide compared to those who don't. So when we're talking about mental health, we're talking about people feeling relief because- When we're talking about suicide or suicidal ideation, we're talking about depression and anxiety having such a significant impact on that person that it drives them to that edge of wanting to end their life. So this is whole health, and the statistics are related to suicide and suicidal ideation. So it's quite heavy. I would say the last piece there is 89% of LGBTQ youth also report seeing that representation in TVs and movies. It helps them to feel good about themselves and their own identity and place in the world.
0: So, Mariah, maybe in closing here, can you talk about some of your experience working with LGBTQ youth at Open Sky? And what are things that you, as a therapist, and the program does to create a safe and supportive place for these young people? I think what's important is that Open Sky
1: is always willing to look at how we can evolve along with what's happening out in the world. And so, for example, there's this idea of preferred pronouns. And what we've recognized is, wait a minute, that says that there's a preference or a choice. And what we're recognizing is if we use what are your pronouns rather than preferred pronouns, that actually more accurately reflects this is what's happening for that individual. This is how we can respect that person. And so maybe a year ago, we would have used, what are your preferred pronouns? Now we can say, what are your pronouns? What are the pronouns you use? Mm -hmm. That simple language Mm -hmm. shift really makes sense. It does. And that's an example of how OpenSky looks at what's happening around us and we evolve. And that's the whole point is that we as a whole community, as a whole family, large, large family, that we are committed to growing and changing over time. You know, I'm part of a diversity, equity, and inclusion board, as are you. So we're on this together. And the goal of this is to support and for us to continue to grow and become more aware of all the issues and that commitment to growth, to evolution. That's what it's about. It's not about being perfect. And so we have people that come and advise us in how we can grow and how we can change. And that is us being at the forefront because- that's us serving both our community here within Open Sky, but also the students and the families and our larger community as best as we possibly can.
0: What are some important takeaways that you might offer up to our listeners? The goal is to connect. And so what are the steps that we can
1: take that demonstrate our commitment to connection? I mean, we've talked about some details in this last bit of time, and I think we need to make it up for ourselves in My deep intention is to connect with you and to support you and to love you. So what do you need to do in order to make that happen?
0: Yes, that is a beautiful, simple, yet very complex at the same time takeaway in terms of connection, connection to self, connection to others, connection to family, community. Thank you. Thanks to our guest today, Mariah Lofton, Clinical Director and Therapist for Young Adults at Open Sky. Check out Open Sky's podcast on a related topic, supporting young adults navigating gender and sexual identity. To learn more about Open Sky Wilderness Therapy and Mariah's clinical approach, visit openskywilderness.com. And if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate and review us on your podcast app of choice. Thanks for listening.